And if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us, and we just pray that God's blessing and anointing is upon your household just as it is here. We may be seated. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Oh, that sounds like a lot of people who have eaten. How's everybody doing this morning? I feel like I'm at an auction, you know, when they uh, going once, going twice, going three times. First of all, I want to say thank you to Pastors Mark and Ellie for inviting me to come and speak. Um, you know, God has a, a way of, of pulling you outside of yourself and your comfort zone. I was telling them when I was growing up in Zimbabwe in an orphanage, it was impossible to get a word out of me. When I was at school, a lot of the teachers in the early years thought I was actually deaf because I never used to speak. And um, it's amazing how God pulls you out of yourself when you surrender yourself to him. And so I'm just grateful that they've recognized uh, something that I'm still getting used to. You know, I, I do speaking, but I don't really like preach. You know, I feel like it's a whole different thing. Uh, and so I'm so grateful to them for allowing me to speak this morning. And so I'm going to get into it, but before we'll just we'll pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for what you're doing in our lives here at Exchange Church. Father, I pray that this word uh, that comes out today, Father, glorifies you. I pray that every word uh, into the, sinks into the hearts of people this morning. So have your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said... Amen. So I'm going to be checking on you from time to time just to make sure that the turkey's not still in your system. <laughs> if you fall asleep, I'm going to be like, I see you in the blue jacket, so I'm not looking at you right now. <laughs> um, so today my message is titled, The Broken Worshipper. And I immediately go to Psalm 51. Uh, I grew up in an orphanage, and I grew up pretty broken. No parents, no family, nothing. And so my life was destined for who knows what in the eyes of the world. But this psalm, David had just got Uriah killed, and he saw Bathsheba on the balcony. And so he got her killed. Sorry, he got Uriah killed, and then he went for Bathsheba. And this is a psalm that he wrote once he had come to a place of brokenness. So we're going to open it up with verse 1 to 4, and it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and are justified when you judge. Immediately, the first thing that stands out to me is David does not say against Uriah, have I sinned, or against Bathsheba, have I sinned. He says against you and only you have I sinned. Because David in that moment realized that Uriah and Bathsheba are children of God. When you understand the heart of God, you no longer see people just as another person, but you recognize that that person is a child of God. 
You see, David's prayer to God isn't out of a place of pity, but it's out of a place of brokenness. Self-pity is not brokenness. Self-pity prides itself in what it pities, but genuine brokenness realizes its dependency on Christ and humbles itself to follow hard after God. Self-pity causes you to push people away. How many of you have been in a place where you're pitying yourself because of what you've done or what you're going through, and people try and come and help you, and you're like, I just got to deal with this alone. I just, I just need a break. Back up. That's what self-pity does. It, it draws you to yourself. It's all about self, self. But brokenness, genuine brokenness, allows you to see the flaws in your human nature and cry out to God. When David wrote this, he didn't write it out of a place of self-pity, but he saw the flaws that we all carry as human beings. We read these stories of men in the Bible and we say, I would never do such a thing. You don't know unless you're put in that situation. Oh, it could be a completely different situation. So brokenness brings you to a place where you recognize the humanity of yourself and you realize that you can no longer depend on yourself. And you depend on God. So my question to you is, why is brokenness important to God? Brokenness is an appropriate response to sin. You see, you cannot worship God in spirit and truth if you are not willing to recognize the sin in your life and repent. David went in verse 3. And Psalm 51, 3 says, For I know my transgressions and sin is always before me. He realized that in that place that is sin. So he's recognizing that, Lord, I am a sinful man. And until you get to a place where you can look at the things that ail you, how can you get to a place where you worship God truly if you cannot be honest with yourself about where you are with God. Self-introspection. And then you reach out to God because you realize that there is nothing good in you outside of Jesus Christ. See, God does not want us to feed our pride by making things right. Nor does he simply want sadness and sorrow over the consequences and the pain that sin brings us. Rather, he wants spiritual brokenness, the kind of brokenness that he can use. He wants godly sorrow. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. That worldly sorrow is the self-pity, the thing that you dwell on yourself. You drown yourself in pity. You drown yourself in things that will never help you. You cannot dig yourself out of a hole. But God, God finds you where you are when you open up yourself to him. Secondly, brokenness allows you to reset and change direction. 
Until your heart is broken before God, you cannot worship him in spirit and in truth. Apart from brokenness, you are incapable of authentic worship. There was a time in my life when my, things were going well for me. I think I told the story to Pastor Mark and Ellie, and I was about 16, and I was, I was a worship leader at a church that was about 16, maybe 30,000 people. And I would walk around, and I'm like, I am the man. <laughs> Everybody, you know, as a teenager, like, no one can tell you anything. It's like, hey, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, they know me. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they know me, too. And I remember my pastor coming up to me and saying, your heart, your heart is far from God. This is all about you. I think this man is crazy. He doesn't know anything. You need me. <laughs> Don't you see that you need me? And he's like, I need you to take a break. And I was like, oh, you'll come calling. I know that for sure. No one can sing like me. Oh, you got Michael up there? Eh. Susan, <laughs> me, yes. <laughs> and so a month went by. I was like, are they going to call me? It's a month. You know, they, you can go a month. Two months goes by, nothing. Six months into it, I'm just like sweating. And I'm like, oh, I guess they don't need me. <laughs> About eight months into it, I got into a place where I was able to look outside of myself. I was able to hear the men and women of God that God brought around me to help me recognize the flaws that were in me. That spirit of self-dependency had to die. I had to get to a place of complete brokenness. And so about a year into it, I remember my pastor coming to me and says, I think you're ready. And I remember saying to him, I'm not quite there yet. There's a lot of things in my life that I need to get right. I'm afraid that when I get back on that altar, it's going to be about me again. I had to get to a place of complete brokenness where everything about me was emptied. And God became the center of what I do on a Sunday morning. The goal that we have when we come up here is that we disappear on stage and all you see is your eyes point up to heaven. It's not about the band. It's not about what we, we are not entertainers. We are worshipers just like you. And so I had to get to that place, but I had to be broken in spirit. My outside man is just like, ha ha. But the inner man had to be broken. You see, the Lord, in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I always remember, because people talk about this verse, which is true. There's, there's people, when you go through hard times, when you're grieving, when there's sorrow that has struck you, God is close to you. But he's also close to those who allow themselves to be broken for him. Life brings situations that break you, but you have to get to a place where you allow God to break you. And until you do that, everything that you do on a Sunday, it's ritual. You walk in exactly, you walk in and leave exactly the same way you came. There is no change. 
It is only when you experience genuine brokenness that authentic worship makes sense at all. My other point is brokenness before God reminds us to center ourselves on Christ. Psalm 51, 6 to 11 says, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the most inner place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. And then this verse to me is the one that always wrecks me. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I have been in places in my life when even as a worshiper, you get sucked in by the world. You get sucked in by the things that you do and you no longer focus your eyes on God. Coming to church is a ritual. Being a Christian is something, uh, it's a badge that you wear, but it's not a lifestyle that you live. Every day I find space to worship God so that I am reminded that I cannot make it through this world by myself. The moment I begin to rely on my own being, I am toast. I am absolute toast. And I love that David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. You see, when I was broken, I was reminded that Christ is a greater savior. True brokenness is a tool which God brings his wandering sheep back into his loving arms. When you self-pity yourself, you're not looking for anyone but yourself. When you break yourself and you break yourself for God, you are a vessel that he can use. See that? I can use that heart. I can use her. I can use him. Because it's a thing that you search for every day. Why is a broken spirit important to God? Because a broken spirit is teachable. You can teach. You cannot teach someone who doesn't want to learn. No matter how much you try, if they think that they know it all, forget it. And I was that teenager who was like, you're going to want me back. I know it. I can see it in your eyes. The youth group is going to tank, I'm telling you. <laughs> These are some of the things I would say. How crazy was I back then? If you have a teenager, watch out. <laughs> See, self-dependency no longer becomes an option. Back to what I was saying, sorry, about a broken spirit is teachable. If we look at Psalm 51, 12, and it says... 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He didn't say, I have a spirit, willing spirit. He said, grant me a willing spirit because when you are broken, you are teachable. You want everything that God has for you. And then it says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. See, when you're broken, you are usable. God can use you. When I think about being broken, some of the things that stand out to me is, see, brokenness leaves scars from our sinful past. And not all scars are bad. See, sin creates a memory and stays with you. If we look at 51 verse 9, it says, David says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. So I did some of my research, you know, I was chatting to Pastor Mark and he's like, I had no idea how much work it is to come and do this. I just thought you'd just come up on stage. <laughs> Hello, you know, <laughs> but then I'm just talking nothing. It's just nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of people that I've people that I respect say that this psalm was written about a year after David had committed this sin. But it's amazing that he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. You see, your sin always leaves out. How many of us have done things in our past that we cannot forget? You look and you're like, I wish I didn't do that. And these are things that we carry out, that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Why? If you forget your past sins, you could never testify of God's goodness. You can never look back and say, I was there and this is where God brought me. I'm standing here not because of me, but I'm standing here because of the goodness of God. Another thing that sin does is if we could not remember our sins, we wouldn't be warned about doing them again. You keep running to the same old thing. But that memory that's etched in you because you remember the pain and the sorrow and the heartache that it brought. But then also when you get broken by God, you remember how he took you out of that place of self-pity, broke you so that you can be used by him. I remember, this is not too long ago, my brother passed away in 2018. And I was on the phone with him the night before. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you in the morning. And I got the call. And my friend was like, I'm sorry, but... James died last night. I was like, ah, great, uh, call me back. I hung up the phone and I kept eating my breakfast. I was like, this guy's crazy. And he waited about 30 minutes and he called me again. And he said, Taps, I don't know how to tell you, but James has passed away. Immediately in that moment, I looked at my life and I said, what a complete waste of time this thing is. This thing called life. Why? Why give it to us and take it away? 
And so in my moment of pain, I retaliated by pushing people away. And I started hanging out with some crazy people in LA. I didn't do anything too crazy, but you know, I'd go out to the clubs and I'd be like, I'm gonna dance my sorrows away. You know, I mean, I just, I went into a dive of self-pity. And I remember just feeling further and further and further away from God. I would go to church and I would lead worship, but how many of us know the gifts of God are without repentance? So as long as I'm a willing vessel, God can use me. Doesn't mean that, you know, in the day of Pentecost, the people were telling Jesus, tell these people to keep quiet. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If these people keep quiet, the very rocks themselves will cry out. So he'll use whatever's available. But in that moment, my heart was so far from God. And I remember I wanted to get back into a place where God was everything. And I would weep in my bed every single night. Every night. I would repent and I would cry out to God saying, I am sorry to think that I deserve this life as if I've given myself breath. And it took about a year of constant weeping. And when I say weeping, I, am, I don't mean like little. I would literally cry for about 20 to 30 minutes in my bed. And I would say, God, I need you. This hole in my heart is way too big. The hole that I dug for myself out of self-pity. And I pushed you away. I pushed my family away. I pushed my friends away. I need you. But I had to get to a place of brokenness. Take myself out of that self-pity and say, here I am, God. I want to be used by you, but I cannot be used by you if I am sitting on myself. In church today, so many people around the world come to church drowning in self-pity. You're at the end of yourself. And you're like, I'll go to church. I'll do what I need to do. But your heart is so far, so far from God. Your wife drags you to your church. Your children probably drag you to church. I've been there. And my message to you this morning is, how long will you lament in your self-pity? How long will you dig that hole before you allow God to pull you out and place you into a place of brokenness to be used by him? How many of us in a show of hands want to be used by God? It's every hand in this room. You see, God uses the memories of our sins to call us to brokenness. There is true joy in Christ for the heart that chases and chooses to be broken before God. I love it because David says in verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Only God can restore joy. You can be happy, but happy is temporal. 
It's a temporal state of it. But joy goes with you in the dark places and in the brightness. It's with you everywhere. And only God can give you joy. The world offers you temporal joy. I'm going between my phone and my... So I want to leave you with a couple of questions. When is the last time that you were truly broken before God? When is the last time that you sat in a room by your bedside, wherever it is, and you were truly, truly broken for God? These are questions I had to ask, really ask myself. If I want to be used by you, God, when is the last time that I was truly broken for you? You see, when nothing else matters, it is there that you find God. You cannot be broken if you are not willing to pay the cost of brokenness and completely empty yourself of your will you have to get to a place of repentance. There's a cost to being broken because it is an act. It is an everyday act of dying to yourself. Pick up your cross and carry. When Jesus was carrying that cross, they had whipped him. They had put a, thorn, a crown of thorns on his head. You could barely recognize him, they say. He was so mutilated, but he still carried that cross. When is the last time that you truly picked up that cross and carried it? Or do you carry it and drop it and say, I'll come back to that? Do you come back and carry it and then drop it? There is a cost to brokenness because it is an everyday act. A dying to yourself to what I want, to what I need, to what I know. What do you want from me, God? You see, brokenness reminds us of where we've been, where we've come from, what we've been saved from and the goodness of God and the victories that are in Christ. When I was preparing this today, I've gone through an ocean of emotions because I just didn't want this to be a blasé message, but I also didn't want it to be about me. You see, church, well, I believe that we're getting into a time in the world when the Bible says he is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. That place is found when you are broken at the foot of the cross. Every day you surrender, you empty yourself. I deliberately did a short message because I wanted to give us time. Time 
to reflect on where you want to go before God. But number one, we're going to take some time to ask yourself, when was the last time I was truly broken before you, Lord? And to make a commitment today that I haven't been there in a while, but I want to make a commitment today to get to that place where I can be used by you. Because until every one of us in this room are truly broken, we're playing games at church. It's a ritual. It's just thing, something that we do. I want us to be fervent in prayer, fervent in the world, because we have a mighty foe out there called the devil. The devil was in heaven before he came down. So you cannot trick him in anything. And so Jesus stands in the gap for you. He stands in the gap for me. And he says, I want you to walk with me. But I want you to leave all of that stuff that you are carrying behind. All of that pain, all of that anger, all of that uncertainty, all of that me, 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 me. Leave it. Because there's things I want to do in your life that you will never imagine. I want to take you to places that your mind could never comprehend. But moreover, I want to hold you in my arms. But I cannot do that if you are running from me. So in this moment, I want to call Pastor Mark up. And I just want us to take some time so with every head bowed and every eye closed, just take a moment to reflect on your life and on where you're at and what that looks like going forward.